The following podcast contains explicit content and is not suitable for all listeners. On November 21, 1987, a 19-year-old woman went missing after driving off with her father from a local 7-Eleven. When her father returned home later, asking if anyone knew where she was, her family became worried and the police were notified. But before the missing persons report was even filed, her nude body was discovered in a large swamp area, badly disfigured with a total of 27 gunshot wounds. After suspicious behavior from her father led to evidence of his involvement, he was charged with her murder, but claimed he had dissociative identity disorder and pled not guilty by reason of insanity. This is the story of Kathy Bonney. Kathy Carol Bonney was born on August 6, 1968, to Father Thomas Lee and Mother Dorothy. The family had six children, and Kathy was the oldest, with her sister Susan being second oldest, according to my information. I don't know much about her family life or childhood, other than Susan reporting that her father was strict and controlling, and that the girls were never allowed to date, and that she was fearful of her father. But otherwise, the family didn't have any other signs of trouble or difficulties that I could find, at least not to the public eye. It's hard because I'm sure hindsight is 2020. But the family grew up in Chesapeake, Virginia, in the United States, and Tom, her father, owned a salvage yard. Chesapeake is a large city and the second most populous in Virginia, with a population of 249,000. 422. It has a varied landscape with urban areas as well as protected wetlands, forests, and farmland areas, including the Great Dismal Swamp National Wildlife Refuge, which is a marshy area between Virginia and North Carolina. Virginia itself is bordered by Maryland and Washington, D.C. to its northeast, West Virginia to its west, and northwest, Kentucky to its west, Tennessee to its southwest, and North Carolina to its south. It's reported that Kathy had begun dating a married man, and that angered Tom a great deal. But by this time, she was 19 years old and an adult, allowed to make her own decisions and mistakes. Tom did not like that his control was slipping and that his daughter was disobeying him. It's also reported that she had dropped out of school, but I didn't have any more information regarding that. On the evening of November 21st, 1987, Kathy and her father set out to North Carolina to look at a truck for sale. I'm not sure if it was for Kathy or for Tom, but nonetheless, they went to see it. He was apparently on the phone with the seller when Dorothy and Kathy came in the house, and he asked Kathy to come with him. Susan, Kathy's sister, saw the pair leaving a local 7-Eleven convenience store shortly after that phone call and driving off. Now, what happened next is what is described by the courts, 
because at the end of the day, no one else witnessed these events, so it is just Tom's word. He claimed an argument broke out about Kathy's lover and that it escalated to Kathy reaching for his gun that he kept in the vehicle, which went off. This apparently triggered PTSD of his childhood and caused him to shoot his daughter 27 times. His defense? Split personality disorder, now called dissociative identity disorder. I want to take this moment to thank you for listening to Femicide. It honestly means so much to me, and I hope through these stories we can spread awareness of domestic violence, assault, and acts of violence that disproportionately affect women all over the world. As I mentioned last month, I have been dealing with some personal matters and have decided to take care of myself a bit more. To ease some stresses, I will be on hiatus until the fall. In the meantime, I have made my Patreon free so that you have a few more episodes to listen to while I'm away, and I'll leave a link in the show notes of this episode. There are also 48 regular episodes available, so catch up on older episodes if you haven't already. The sound quality isn't the best on some of my earlier episodes, but the stories are just as important to share, so I hope you will listen. Thank you again for your support these last few years. I appreciate you all, and I will be back soon. When Tom returned home about two hours later, he asked if anyone knew where Kathy was or if they had seen her. He claimed Kathy knew this man named John and that they met to look at the truck and that she got into the truck and went for a test drive but never returned. Worried, Susan went back to the 7-Eleven to look for Kathy, but Tom did not go out looking and instead waited until the next morning to talk to the police. He claimed Kathy had stayed out all night before and that he wasn't initially worried and, being she was 19, that did make sense to police. But they also noticed that Tom appeared nervous during this questioning. The police opted to wait 24 hours to file a missing persons report due to Kathy's age. What Tom didn't know at the time was that Susan looked into his car the night that Kathy went missing and saw blood on the car seat. She had initially assumed he picked up a dead animal and did mention it to her mother, but no one brought it up to Tom. I find his story about her driving off for a test drive and then not returning a bit odd from the start. I mean, would you not immediately worry they were in an accident? I mean, how long did he claim he waited before deciding that they weren't returning? Did he drive around looking for them? Did he say anything of that sort? Like, my first instinct would be they got hurt, not to go home and say, oh, she must have just gone to hang out when they'd gone to see about purchasing a truck specifically. I, I just think that's a bit hard to believe, but again, I don't know the family dynamic, and clearly her mother and sister were a bit worried, but not overly worried to think something had happened, so I'm not sure. It just seems a bit fishy. I think that probably brought up some red flags, though, to the investigators as they started to piece together what had happened. Miraculously, just a day later, 
a man went for a drive and stopped to walk near the great dismal swamp. He just so happened to look down a steep, rocky embankment filled with brush and trees, and he sees the naked body of a woman. He immediately goes to call police, and they begin an investigation. This was around 3 p.m. on November 22nd, and Tom phoned the police at 7 p.m. that day to let them know that Kathy was still missing and that it had been 24 hours so they could file the report. The body they found was so badly disfigured that they had to use blood type and fingerprints to identify her. But sadly, it was confirmed to be that of 19-year-old Kathy Bonney. Her body had a total of 27 gunshot wounds, and some were inflicted after she was already deceased. She had been thrown down the embankment. Her undergarments were ripped and found nearby. She was missing a tooth and had scratches and lacerations to her entire body. It was clear she had been thrown, and it appeared she had been sexually assaulted. But upon examination, it was determined that she had not been. She did have marks like that of handcuffs on her wrists, but no ligatures were found at the scene. The nearby trees also had some bullet holes in them, indicating the killer shot down the embankment after throwing her to ensure she was dead. But it was also clear that she had died elsewhere, since there was not enough blood at the scene to indicate she had died there. I don't know if the initial murder site was the vehicle or if they found another location. On a side note, handcuffs, a love letter, and pornographic materials were found in her room, leading to the idea that the marks on her wrists were from consensual sexual encounters with her lover and not from the murder. It's not stated anywhere that she was restrained at the time of her death. Tom began helping the detectives by providing a description of the man named John and his Chevrolet Blazer truck. He stuck to his story of the events of that night and kept insisting it must be this other man. However, Susan finally came forward in December of that year and told police about the blood she saw in her father's car. And that's when the investigation took a turn. It turns out Tom had sold his car just days after Kathy went missing. And the police ended up seizing the vehicle and found blood and hair from Kathy in the trunk of the vehicle. He had also claimed to have sold one revolver and that a sawed-off rifle he owned was stolen a week prior to the murder both 22 caliber, the same as the bullets that hit Kathy. Police already had their suspicions, and now they had their suspect. There was no mention that this John person ever actually existed in any of the research I did, which, as we will get into, means that it wasn't a spur-of-the-moment fight, but instead a calculated, premeditated murder. According to reports, Tom wanted an idyllic family, like that of the Waltons, which was a TV show on the air from 1972 to 1981. 
Kathy was defying her father. She had apparently dropped out of school, as I mentioned, was now dating a married man. And to Tom, she was ruining his perfect family. Just after Susan had come forward, Tom fled on December 11, 1987. This spurred Dorothy, his wife, to go into hiding out of fear. And the children were placed in foster care temporarily. He made it all the way to Indianapolis, Indiana, three states to the west, and about 730 miles, or 1175 kilometers, before finally being apprehended on January 31st, 1988. Susan also testified in court, and I just want to applaud her for stepping forward. Without that evidence from his car, this case could have turned out very differently and just gone cold. Speaking up against a parent is especially difficult, but she did it, and Kathy's murder was solved because of that. Once in custody, Tom underwent psychological interviews with Dr. Paul Dell beginning in that June, and this is when he was diagnosed with split personality or dissociative identity disorder. He was also diagnosed with PTSD from a traumatic experience of when his grandmother died when he was 10. It's also claimed that he was subjected to abuse from his own father, and so he created these personalities to cope with the abuse and get through it. In total, they claimed to have discovered 10 identities, including Tom, which they call the host personality, Satan, Mammy, Demian, Viking, Tommy, Hitman, Preacher, Dad, and Kathy. He even claimed Kathy was still alive and visited in the cell every evening. They documented these identities in 23 hours of video footage from multiple interviews. Obviously, this made the defense of insanity, and they claimed Tom was not fit to stand trial. This sensationalized story of split personalities is the main focus of most of the articles that you find about this case. And as such, like with many cases I've talked about, details about the victim, in this case Kathy, are almost non-existent. I understand we want to understand why people do what they do, but the victims are pushed aside and then the killers are highlighted. And as I've mentioned countless times, that just bothers me so deeply. His first trial started on October 17, 1988, and focused heavily on the testimony of Dr. Dell, including the notion that Demian was the one to kill Kathy, and that he believed he was killing his father, not Kathy, and also that Tom did not know right from wrong in that moment. The prosecution argued that Dr. Dell's methods were not reliable and that hypnosis, which Dr. Dell used, could have actually caused the dissociative identity disorder and that he asked leading questions, thereby potentially putting the disorder into Tom's head. Another physician that treated Tom prior to the hypnosis stated that he believed Tom did have the identity disorder 
but also that he knew right from wrong and would have been aware of what he did. After a seven-week trial, the jury returned a guilty verdict of first-degree murder and sentenced Tom to the death penalty. To me, it did seem calculated. The ploy to have her alone, selling the vehicle, the apparent phone call as the family came home from this John person, the stolen gun and the sold gun, it's just too many details to be spur of the moment or to have just cracked, as he stated during interviews. Tom obviously appealed the conviction, and after many years and psychiatric evaluations, he was ultimately resentenced to life in prison in 2007. During his first trial, Tom attempted to escape by jumping from a vehicle and then running about 50 feet before being apprehended. But his second attempt on July 29, 1994, was more successful when he and another inmate escaped through a trash compactor chute. They were initially believed to have been killed by the crushing mechanism, but as it turns out, they did escape and stole a car. They drove to Hampton Beach, New Hampshire, which is roughly 750 miles or 1,200 kilometers northwest along the coast from their prison in Raleigh, North Carolina. Tom was apprehended four days later, claiming he just wanted to see his mother's grave, who had passed while he was in prison, and Kathy's grave, and that he was going to turn himself in. However, New Hampshire is six states away from Virginia, making that story a little unbelievable to me. The escape was also quite sophisticated and included them accessing the chute behind two locked doors, but then also avoiding the compactor, which seemed impossible, but was obviously done. It's not stated how they did it since they probably don't want others to follow suit, but even if the other man was the mastermind, Tom was able to follow through and successfully, leading to the questions about his mental ability. District Attorney H.P. Williams Jr. stated at the time of the escape, it, quote, does not surprise me because it's my opinion that Tom Bonney is an intelligent individual who could, in fact, plan such an escape, end quote. Assistant District Attorney Frank Parrish adding, quote, I didn't think Bonnie was incompetent then, and I think with this escape that he has demonstrated that he was not incompetent, end quote. Regardless of his mental state and competency, at the end of the day, a father murdered his daughter. Parents are meant to love and protect their children, to defend them and help them, not to kill them. It breaks my heart that a young woman who was just beginning to grow up, make mistakes, and find out who she was, was instead murdered by the one man that should have protected her. Thank you for listening to the story of Kathy Bonney. I'm your host, Sean Marie. Join me next time for another story.